0: Hello, and welcome to the Hold My Iced Coffee podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Felkel, and my co-host is Elena Saddy And today we're going to be interviewing Caitlin Aerosmith. And yes, that is the coolest last name ever. <laughs> and Caitlin works in a ministry called Wildlife, which also is a really cool name. And she's going to talk to us today about the journey that she's been on, in her ministry, and in her personal life over the last four years since she left Rhode Island and broke my heart.
1: (laughs) It broke my
2: heart, too. We might have to come visit you now.
1: (laughs) Yes, please do. Well, Caitlin, I
2: understand uh, that you lived with the Falcals and got to experience them. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what that was like? (laughs)
1: it was it was so much fun before I moved there I was really worried that I was gonna get stuck with like stuffy people and that's just not my vibe and so (laughs) I always I laugh a lot and so I'm like oh my gosh if I live with these people who get concerned if I'm up at 2am watching funny videos and I'm laughing really <laughs> loud, like that's not going to fly. Um, <laughs> but thankfully, uh, the Lord placed me with the Falcons and it couldn't have been a better match. I had a lot of fun, learned a lot just from watching them and listening to them and also got blessed to be in little Kinsley's life. Um, and She said my name. And so that was really great.
0: (laughs) Just a little trivia here for you guys. Caitlin is actually the person that came up with the saying of get felgold. (laughs) So would you like to share that story, Caitlin?
1: (laughs) Yes. Okay. So... Cindy and Brian always had a ton of people over on Sundays for lunch after church. And Cindy would always just invite pretty much the whole church after service um, over for lunch. And I remember it was one Sunday and somebody was coming over that had never been there before on the way home. I was like, have they... Have they been to the felco home? Like, is he prepared for what's going to happen? Because at these lunches, you know, it's always loud. There's always something inappropriate that's said. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> and uh, there's football on, so it's really loud too. I said, boy, he's about to get Felcoled. And just <laughs> it just came out of my mouth and it stuck. And yeah, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: since that time that you survived living with us, I know that God has done a lot in your life. I just want you to share some of your hold my ice coffee moments that have happened since that time. Now that you're learning to walk more in the awesomeness that is Caitlin
1: Aerosmith. Yeah. So when I did my internship with Sojourn, I had never really considered doing ministry before. Um I was kind of in this limbo stage of, I dropped out of college, I don't know where I want to go. I know that I had always loved bringing people into um, a relationship with Christ, whether that was just bringing them to youth group or actually having that conversation with them. So when the opportunity presented itself for me to move up there and do an internship, I jumped on it, even though it was halfway across the country and I was going to be away from my family for the first time, I just jumped in, and I did it. And it was really hard being away from my family. And I just remember the first day I woke up in Rhode Island in that empty hotel room, and just crying the whole day. I didn't know anybody at that time. I hadn't met the Falcons yet. So it was just me in Rhode Island. And it was really scary, and I think I said I'm coming home like ten times that day. And but I stuck with it, and the Phelps made it. It's so much easier to be there. It was just having a family out there uh, that really cared about me, and then coming home the next year. So I was out there for ten months. I was like, I'm never doing ministry again. Like even though I really enjoyed my time out there, um, I just it was hard, and I didn't make any money and not that I was doing it for the money but I needed to pay bills and it it just wasn't happening for me. I'm just not the best at fundraising and all the behind the scenes of ministry. So I came home and I started working for an adoption agency and I really loved it, but I was really missing ministry and I just wasn't feeling the fulfilled feeling that I had when I was doing ministry and I was like, "Oh boy, you know, something's going to happen. I just know it. And actually one of our foster parents uh, where I was working, his picture was on a piece of paper at church. And I was like, hang on, I know this man. <laughs> it was like an ad, not an ad, but kind of like a get to know the ministries that the church is supporting. And it was this ministry called Young Life. And I had never heard of it before. Um, I had heard of Young Lives, which is for teen moms. But um, that was pretty much the extent of my knowledge on, on Young Life. And I was like, there's a reason that he walked into the foster agency. And the next Sunday, there was his picture on my seat at church. And so my mom was just kind of like, you know, just reach out, see if there's any volunteer opportunities, you know, a couple hours a week. So I did, and um we ended up getting coffee together.
0: Awesome. <laughs> That's the most Christian thing. Yeah, you can do. <laughs> yes, I know. And
1: <laughs> I know. And he paid for it, which made it ten times better. <laughs> um, but just kind of got to know the heart of young life and from what he was saying it sounded a lot like sojourn, not it wasn't a youth group. It wasn't church. It was for those who had had a bad experience with church, who don't know church, who doesn't know God, who is afraid of God, is afraid of church and Christians, because honestly, I feel that like (laughs) some Christians are just kind of scary. Yeah, we get you. (laughs) Yeah. So hearing the heart of that really grabbed at my heart, and I was still I was like, yes, I want to volunteer. Absolutely. So I started volunteering with the high school um, and then kind of started talking about the idea of starting college ministry in Quincy. And I was like, yes, I'm going to do that. I have experience with college ministry. Uh, that sounds perfect. It just seemed like everything was lining up. And then I interviewed for it, and I didn't get it. And so it was like the worst call to get. And so I was kind of like, okay, where do I go now? Do I quit Young Life? Do I find another ministry? Do I quit ministry altogether? Is this what God even wants me to do? And all I got was a message because I was driving, so I didn't answer. But I just got a message of, you know, this isn't going to happen yet. Please give me a call back. And it was my birthday, so I kind of wanted to take the rest of the day to just decompress, kind of process everything that he had said and just not focus on it right now. So the next day I called, called him back and he said, no, 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 we want you to do Young Life. We just don't want you to do Young Life College. We want you to do Wildlife, which is junior high. And I was very scared and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not what my experience is. Um, but I was kind of like, okay let's try it. And went and fell in love with it. God knew what he was doing. I had never had experience with junior high before. So to actually go and be like, Oh my gosh, I think this is where I'm meant to be. It just really sunk in. And so a year later to the day, I interviewed again, and I got it. And so um, and there was a lot of prepping for my first interview there was just some kind of stuff on Young Life's policies that I wasn't connecting with that I just hadn't been in Young Life long enough to know and so there's some interview questions that kind of tripped me up because I was like "Uh, uh, I don't know that so a year of just kind of like you know what I'm gonna do it I'm gonna learn as much as I can about the ministry I'm gonna get closer to God in this next year um, and just learn 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 and I did and like even talking to my boss he's like you are not the same person you were a year ago and I was like absolutely not just growing in that and being where he wants me to be right now so I started full-time this past October and I'm absolutely loving every minute of it
2: wow what is the biggest challenge that you think you face working with middle schoolers and is there anything you've learned from them in the process
1: Oh, yeah. So working with college and high school, they're already abstract thinkers, so they can think like an adult. Junior hires do not have that ability yet. Their brains are still forming. They're very concrete thinkers. They will tell you how it is. My boss and I always make this comedian, John Mulaney, we always make his reference that junior hires being like the most accurate at insulting you. And so (laughs) (laughs) like they will just, they will pick up on what you're most insecure about and they will use it. And so that's just how they think. So there's a couple months of me coming once a week to club with junior hires, but then camp is just a week with junior hires. And it's just, it's awesome. It's a lot of fun. But there I learned that I'm going to have to learn some things on my own, learn how to answer their kind of questions. So one girl was like, why are there black people? And it's a very valid question. And nobody had really asked me that before. And then she said, so who wrote the Bible? And I'm like, that's a good question. Like just being like, oh my gosh, these are questions that, you know, let's learn this together because I'm used to like, why do bad things happen if there's a God, you know, kind of like, those kind of questions, not just like, okay, so who wrote the Bible? And I'm just like, whoa. So I think that's been the biggest challenge of just learning how to talk to junior hires, how to relate the gospel in a way that they're grasping, and being okay with repeating myself when I'm preaching the gospel, because that kind of annoys mm. me to do it. But to their brains, it's the only way they're going to catch on. So yeah, I think that's been the biggest challenge.
2: Mm. Wow, it sounds like you've grown in the process too. To be able to communicate and I bet they've just fallen in love with you. That's that's kind of my set. (laughs) Even though you say that they're great at insulting, you've made connections. I know you have. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're great. We um actually started going weekly this semester, this past semester, and there was a whole new ball game, whole new kids. All the kids from last year have graduated to high school. Um, and these kids were just not the kids I was used to, very broken homes, a lot Mm -hmm. of hurt, a lot of trauma. And being in foster care, I've kind of known how to walk with that, but very different when it's from a faith perspective and being able to be open and free with how I communicate that God can heal us. And, Mm
2: -hmm. you know, he's
1: with us through that. So the kids have been like, at first, they're all taller than me. So it's all like guys that are just big and tall. And I'm just like, ah, and they're not going to listen to me. And so for a while I had to bring in my boss and kind of have him uh, lay the hammer down for a little bit. But <laughs> towards the end of the semester, they kind of got used to my style and we're all pretty close now. So I see him at the school. I go into the school and have lunch with them. And um, I actually saw this is kind of a cool story that I'll share. So my boyfriend works at a hotel here in town and I was bringing him dinner one night and saw one of my wildlife kids and I was like hey what's up and so pretty much the majority of my wildlife kids are african-american and we don't have any african-american leaders they're all white um so trying to bring diversity to the table but he is like great he's one of my closest students and we just kind of connect on on a level that he's comfortable with me, and he's comfortable with my boyfriend, and we just kind of share. But we saw him at this hotel, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm at a birthday party," and I was like, "That's awesome!" Like, but he kept hanging out with us in the lobby instead of going into the birthday party in the conference room. And mm-hmm. one of the moms came out and was like, "Why, why are you hanging out here?" And he goes, "I'm the only black kid in there." And it's Mm. like a very real problem and but yet he was still comfortable enough to hang out with me and Jonah and just connect with us out there. And so not so much a race issue, but a connection issue of like those people, the people in that room just didn't know how to connect to him. Um, And so yeah and so learning how to connect with people who are who may look different from me but knowing that human connection goes a lot deeper than that
0: that's that's really awesome yeah yeah way to value people Caitlin that's right (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, as you're doing this and you talked about working with people that kids that have had trauma and things like that it's it's really tough to value yourself in the middle of that so what is in your cup that's the question we always ask like what keeps you motivated and and keeps you going as you do all the things you're doing
1: yeah so I preach 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 self care whether that's taking care of your body. So make taking a bubble bath, you know, it lighting up all those five senses, you know, getting a warm water with a candle that smells good with music on with some, you know, every something that, catches every single one of your of your senses, and you can just ground yourself And like, this candle smells good, and this water feels warm, and this music sounds good, and the lights are dark. And that has been one thing that's been like very, at the end of the night when the club is over, I go home and take a bath, and I turn my phone off, and I just relax. But then um, also self-care on a deeper sense of going to therapy and taking medication because I struggle with depression and anxiety and being okay with that, being okay to go to my doctor and say, hey, I need help. Also, obviously being in the Word, I used to just be like, yeah, I know that God loves me and that's great and everything's wonderful. But actually being in the Word and taking in everything that He has to say and everything that is taken out of context of like, wow, I've been living my life very differently because I've been told, well, this is what this verse says, and that's it. No other meanings to this one verse, and just being like, oh, I don't think that. I don't. That kind of contradicts something else, and that you've said before. Um, so, reading the stories and being like, this is why we do what we do. This is what happened, and this is why we have these type of. This is why we have God saying what He says. So, yeah, I always make sure my leaders are reading a book to grow their spiritual health. I always make sure they're taking time off. They're spending time with friends and family. And then also just connecting with them as people and not just my leaders. So a lot of times I'll get coffee with them um, and just catch up. And we won't even say the word young life. We'll just it's just two people having coffee. Mm. And I think that really helps me because I'm in a community and it's not just work. Um it's not just coworkers. And also, I think it helps them because they're like, wow, she's not just doing this for a job. She's actually genuinely interested in me, which I am.
0: Mm. Wow. wow. That's really good. Yeah. I, need to, I need to take notes <laughs> on that. And-
2: <laughs> yeah. I love the self-care aspect, too, that though you are are a young, a younger person, you okay. could teach us all what what that means and how to do that in our our daily lives because our spiritual isn't separate from our our health and our physical health or our mental yeah. health. I think that's so beautiful, and I think that leads us into who's holding your iced coffee these days. Who is supporting you? Um, and it sounds like you do. Or you you ask you can ask for help, and you feel comfortable doing that. With the, which I I hope that will encourage people who are listening because we need to do that more. Who who's supporting you?
1: I think. My family is just they're really quiet supporters, but I know that they're there and then also my dear boyfriend Jonah, I just absolutely love him and he he also he volunteers for young life, so he does the high school and so he kind of, he gets it he knows that it's hard and He's kinda of go 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 and I'm kinda of like, okay, we need to stop. And so I think we balance each other out really well. Um, and also if I am feeling really discouraged about how one of my talks went, if I feel like I didn't relay the gospel in the way that I wanted to, or I feel like the kids just were disruptive and they just weren't catching on and I really want them to hear this because it's so important. He's so good about being like, you know, they you're so good at your job. They picked you for a reason you know god chose you to do this and sometimes it's hard and just knowing that there's someone there that's just giving me words of wisdom through that and i'm not just in my own head like doubt 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 that he's just verbally mm. being like you're here you're doing this junior high kids are hard and but you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing yeah so he very often has to um hold my iced coffee. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. So I want to switch gears just a little bit. And you've been very brave about sharing your struggle with an eating disorder. Yeah, and I, yeah. I'm kind of hesitant to talk about it in one way because I don't want it to define you. Right. But it's so important to be, to remove the shame from talking about these kinds of things. And I love that you're so open and sharing it. And so I want you to just talk a little bit about that, um, what your journey has been with the eating disorder.
1: Right. So, um, yeah, I'm totally open with sharing my journey because it was such a big part of my life and still is. Um, and I think that people need to hear about it because a lot of people struggle with it. Um, so, yeah, I always say everything started when I was in junior high. I mean, When I look back at early signs, I was probably 12 when I started not liking my changing body because, you know, puberty and things get bigger and just not being comfortable in my skin anymore. So definitely I was in junior high and I got a little digital camera uh, for Christmas. Um, That was before our smartphones. So I had a little digital camera and I would set it up on self-timer and I would set it up on my nightstand and take pictures of different parts of my body, um, and then sit in, on my bed and just analyze them, to pieces until I just didn't like them anymore. That kind of led into like, okay, I I want to be vegetarian, or I want to be vegan, or I want to skip out on gluten or whatever. You know, it changed all the time, um, and I was always doing it for healthy reasons, but I. I wasn't. I was doing it because I could get away. I could get away with it without people being suspicious. Um, And that kind of led into, well, people won't notice if I skip breakfast. Well, people won't notice if, you know, I have a stomach ache, but I'm skipping dinner because I don't want to eat it. Um, And so that kind of led into high school and college. And then, Even in Rhode Island, I was struggling with it. Um, I wasn't, I think now I'm more aware of when I was in Rhode Island, it was a big, big struggle for me, more so than I thought it was. And Cindy, I know when we were in Rhode Island, we always made the joke that Kinsley ate more than I did. But it was true. I really wasn't eating a lot of food when I was living there. I mean, when you guys would go out of town and you would buy me a five-pound bag of chicken nuggets, you know, and... That's like all I was eating, but so I wasn't being healthy. I was skipping meals using any excuse that I could get my hands on Um, all at the same time, knowing I had a problem and preaching that I was okay. But deep down inside, I knew that I wasn't. So when I moved home, I think that's when it got really, really bad. Uh, I was trying to assimilate back into Quincy living, assimilate into living on my own for the first time, grocery shopping on my own, and it just kind of went super downhill from there. So um, at one point I went to the doctor for migraines, and I remember they gave me a shot and sent me on my way, um, and then came back two weeks later because I couldn't stop throwing up. I was very, very sick. I was having migraines. I was just so weak, couldn't get out of bed. And went to back to my doctor, and um, they said I had lost uh, 10 pounds since the last time I had been there, which was, like, a week and a half before. And she kind of sat me down and was like, "What, what's going on? And I was like, uh, you tell me, <laughs> like, what's happening to my body? And she was like, no, no, no. Like, what's happening in your life? Like, tell me what's going on. And I just broke down because nobody had really asked me that since I had been back home. And I was like, actually it's been really hard. I'm trying to live on my own for the first time. My friends, my closest friends have moved away and starting their own families, but here I am living on my own, single. I don't know what I'm doing. And she was like, I think you have depression. And kind of going from depression to There's something very wrong with the fact that you've lost this much weight in such a short amount of time. And because I was depressed, well because I wasn't eating, I wasn't getting proper nutritions and my brain wasn't getting nutritions. And so therefore everything just kind of crashed in my body. My brain was sad, my heart was sad, my body was aching, I was very weak. Um so I got in with a therapist and just worked with her like routinely. And I actually just finished therapy for my eating disorder in March. Um I still go for anxiety and depression, because those are very real struggles I still struggle with. Um, But as far as the eating disorder, I am healthy, and I've gained the weight I've needed to. Um, And so yeah, still, it's still going to be an everyday struggle for me. It's still going to be something that um, is a battle. But knowing that I've, Mm. I've gotten help, and I know that I can go get help if it ever comes up again, has been really helpful for me.
0: So another thing that it was, it was hard for me to watch when you were struggling, but people are vicious, especially to women that are thin. It's almost like, like you're not supposed to have problems and they acted like, um, I know people treated you like you were just spoiled or something like it, like it was silly. And I remember just some of the really mean comments and, and I'd like you to kind of address that and how we need to all learn to
1: value each other and stop being so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Um, you just never know what somebody's story is, ever. Um, and I can't tell you how many times in high school, when I was getting fitted for a cheerleading uniform, the people taking my measurements were like, wow, you're so thin. It must be nice. Those type of comments. And then on um, the other hand, just worrying, okay, am I too thin and just never being satisfied. And then I remember this past summer after all the healing and thinking, I'm doing awesome. Maybe my weight hasn't caught up yet, but you know, brain wise, I'm doing awesome. I'm starting to eat more. And then I go to Duncan and get my iced coffee per huge. She said, <laughs> I don't remember exactly what she said, but she said something along the lines of, oh, you're so thin, you can afford to drink this iced coffee. And I'm just like, oh, so I haven't come back, come as far as I thought I have. And then on top of that, having to go swimsuit shopping for camp, which is the next week. And just being like absolutely torn to pieces after that comment. And like, not, you know, you just don't know what somebody's struggling with. So just never comment on a person's size. Just don't ever. Don't ever comment on somebody that you just don't know what's going on. I used to work at a doctor's office and they would bring food in around Christmas time. And I was just like, wow, I can find like I can eat and not feel guilty about it. And I'm so excited. And I was going up to get food, and this doctor was like, you can eat as much as you want, probably not gain a pound. And I was like, but I'm supposed to, you know, and just knowing that that people will say whatever they want to and just don't. (laughs) Just just don't. (laughs) (laughs) Say nice words. (laughs) Even if you think they're nice, you know, if you're not sure, don't say anything.
0: Yeah, I think it's hard for women that struggle with being overweight to imagine that anything could be insulting to a thin person. Like, we're just like yeah. that. That feels like the ultimate goal in life. <laughs> but I think I think that's actually the essence of the problem is our value shouldn't be so tied to our weight. Yeah. Right, right. I I did hear some people say, like, stuff I wanted to punch them in the throat for, <laughs> you know, in a loving Christian way. <laughs> It's yeah. just like how messed up our society views women and how slow we are to support each other. Like we're yeah. we're all dealing with this crap that has been thrown on us. Why are we not nicer to each other? So I love that you're brave in sharing that. And um, I hope other people will just be nice. Yeah, <laughs> be nice.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Caitlin, what advice would you give women about knowing their value from what you've gone through?
1: I think I would tell women to just know that their value doesn't come from the way they look. That these bodies were given to us by God, and mm-hmm. everything He made was good. I mean, He said, He said it's good. He said when He looked at us, it's very good. Um, and rest in that. Know that. He gave us this body and that he thinks it's very good. And how prideful is it of us to think that somebody else's opinion matters more than the Lord's. And just knowing that this this is temporary. Our bodies are temporary. They're going to get old. They're going to age. They're going to be lumpy in some parts. They're going to be different at different times of our life. But what matters is our heart. And, um, how, how we rest and knowing that God is near and that he, the, he's the King of Kings and he sees us as valuable and just resting in that fact, knowing that and no, it's still hard. I know it's hard to look in the mirror. Sometimes I get that. And I know it's hard to take those lenses off, but fight for it, fight and fight back. And I think for a long time I was like, oh, this is just how it is. No, get, if you notice, if you notice it, get help right away. There Mm. are resources out there. There are people out there that know there are therapists out there. Talk to your doctor. Talk to a family member. Um,
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, Mm. know that there's help if you can't take those, those lenses off. Mm. Yeah, it's
0: really powerful. Do you have some resources that you could share that would be helpful for
1: women that
0: might be struggling with eating disorders?
1: Yeah, there's um, the National Eating Disorder uh, website. They have therapists on there to help if you can't mm. get one locally. Um, if you can get one locally, that I think that's even better. But if you can't, go on their website, see what kind of resources they have on there There are also just a ton of blogs out there, Beauty Beyond Bones. She is one girl that I just love and she uh, is an anorexic, uh, she's an anorexia survivor and she has been through it and she is on the other side and she is preaching and rejoicing. But if you don't know where to start, I'd say go to your primary physician. That's kind of where the direction I went. Uh, thankfully I had someone who was just willing to be like "Uh, let's look at this on a deeper level and Mm -hmm. getting help in that way just knowing that my overall Mm -hmm. that my brain's connected to the way I was seeing myself Mm -hmm. and it wasn't just I don't get over it knowing that there's something underlying there
2: right and that I think too it can it can happen for some people and in including some of my experiences where there can be like a disordered eating with binging, um, with with bulimia, Mm -hmm. you know, all kinds. But like you said, it can have a root in the heart and in the mind. And what I hear you saying, Caitlin, is that if we can move towards that healthy connection that God wants with him and with other people and also with our own selves, that we don't have to hate what we see. And a lot of that starts in our mind and our heart. In fact, it, it, does, it, it does for us all. So thank you right. for bringing that information to light
1: because
2: yeah. we're all in this together. I think women right. have these secret struggles and you're so brave to you know, show the way to, eat to, to all the students that look up to you.
1: Yeah, I always, I always tell people, our brain is a part of our body and it's not immune to getting sick. And sometimes it gets sick and it's more than just, oh, you know, just be happy, just relax. Okay, that doesn't help. (laughs) So if you were to break your arm, if you were to have a sinus infection or whatever it may be, you go to your doctor. Go to your doctor if you're, if you feel that your brain is sick as well. And that's kind of the simplest way that I could put it. Just our brains get sick. And they need yeah. help too.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Caitlin, what are your positive goals for the new year? Did you develop any? Are you do you do that?
1: Yeah. So I never say resolutions. I always say goals um, because I tried. I tried the resolution thing, and it just never. I mean, it just doesn't last. Like last year, I was like, I'm gonna wake up early every day. It, that did not happen. So I think going into this year, I'm just kind of like. I want to keep going on the way I'm going, you know, I think things are going really well and I'm not going to have super high expectations of what this year is going to be. I'm going to let God just do his thing and I want to grow wildlife. I want to meet as many students as I can and I want to just show them the love of Christ. And I think that's just kind of the path that I'm taking right now. Personally, I'd love to get engaged. But.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, please. We'll <laughs> um, so, the last thing that we wanted to ask was
1: um, how can we pray for you? And our listeners can pray for you also. I think just continued prayers of my health because it is still a struggle. Not so much I'm restricting myself in what I eat. But when your body changes and I'm in a bigger size than I ever have been, it's, it's you know, it's different and you have to buy different clothes. And um, that can be kind of a struggle walking into that dressing room. So just prayers that I can rest in, in the help that God has provided for me and rest in Him um, and knowing that I, I am created in his, his image and that I'm seen as very good by Him. Prayers that wildlife just grows more than it has been. We're switching to a different night. So hopefully more students will be able to make it and know that they have community and people that love them and want to hang out with them. Also,
0: how can people connect with you? I forgot to ask you that earlier, but how can people connect with you?
1: (laughs) So I'm on Instagram um, at Kate, C-A-I-T, Jade, J-A-D-E underscore. You can catch me on there. Um, I also have a blog. It's coffeewithconversations.wordpress.com. I haven't written in a while, but it's kind of my journey of, I started it when I was in Rhode Island. So kind of my journey of ministry and life and eating disorders and therapy and all the good messy stuff that people want to read about. (laughs) You want to read about somebody else's train wreck? No, it's, I think it's helpful for people. If not, then get a good laugh out of it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Great. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because your journey is, it's uh, like Cindy says, it's messy, it's beautiful, and it's going to inspire, you know, a lot of people and there is help and you're not alone if you're out there dealing with something like this.
0: It's been fun. It has been fun. Absolutely.
2: We're honored to have you. So thank you. And you guys, we have a Google phone number. You can call and you can leave us your positive goals, like Caitlin said, for the year. It could be something small. It could be something big. But let's encourage each other. Whether it's overcoming, whether it's getting honest about some anxiety that we have, whatever it is, the number is 860 341 one eight six four leave us a message with your positive goals for the year and we just can't wait to hear from you so thank you guys for tuning in thanks to Caitlin for all the wisdom that she shared with us you're awesome
1: thank you